In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 241. December books. Woohoo! Right on time. That's right. We're, <laughs> yeah, January's not officially. Yeah, we're old. not. We're not. We're not late. It's just a little later than we had hoped originally to do this episode. <laughs> so we are covering Star Trek Green Lantern number six, the final issue of that miniseries. Uh, Green Lantern number eighteen. No. <laughs> I hope not. No. <laughs> 47. 47. Sinestro number 18 and Telos number... Lobo. Lobo. Sorry. Lobo 13. Lobo 13. There you go. Tell us um, it'll probably be like, what, next month we'll be doing Telos. We'll be doing some uh, listener feedback towards the end of the episode, but uh, Mark, do you want to sandwich it with a little GL talk before we get into the to the, uh, to the the issues? Sure. Uh, you, okay. So... You should lead us off because you posted the link. What to the shirt? No, I didn't even thought. thought I wasn't. I was thinking about the the Batman versus Superman thing. That's what I assumed. Oh, you, that's, that's what true. I assumed you meant. Did you want to talk mm. about the shirt first and then? Yeah, because there's not much there. So, so uh, there was a. It, it, I found out on Twitter because I I use something called TweetDeck. Uh, for those of you who don't know what TweetDeck is. Uh, it basically enables you to see groups of things from Twitter all at the same time. So like your main feed, the people who replied to you, uh, and you can even choose a hashtag. So I, I use hashtag Green Lantern, and I can see all the stuff that's currently popping up with using the hashtag Green Lantern. And within the hashtag Green Lantern, I saw a, you know, a bunch of uh, – I saw this individual post a picture of – uh, and he tagged Jeff Johns and Target and DC Comics. It's a picture of a T-shirt, and it's got Flash symbol, the Batman symbol, the Superman symbol, and the Green Lantern symbol, like three different versions of each symbol um, spread across the shirt. And it's, you know, it's a fairly straightforward shirt. The only problem is the third Green Lantern symbol is the Red Lantern symbol in green. <laughs> Must be guy. Must be guy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so that was pretty strange to see uh, online and, and lo and behold the same day i got that uh that i checked out that tweet i, I ran over to target you know because i'm assuming they're gonna rip them off the shelves uh and i got myself one um there's no way i'm gonna be able to fit into it because uh generic sizes uh you know they're always like they say they're one size but in reality, they're the size. So let's say you buy an extra large; it's really kind of a large. <laughs> so in those types of shirts, so 
I just got one for the hell of it. Maybe we'll give it away as a contest prize in the future. Maybe I can sell it on eBay or something. But what what did you think when you saw that? First, it took me like a split second to realize what it was. And it's like, oh, God. It's like... And then probably my second thought was, geez, at least it wasn't a Blue Lantern symbol they got wrong again for on something. Uh, I don't know. It's It does shape, make you wonder about the quality control on this stuff. And we know with T-shirts, I think with T-shirts you can let it go more because, you know, half this crap is made like in, you know, China or Indonesia or someplace. That at least – so – but somewhere along the way if it's going to be officially licensed, you know, with merchandise, you would think somebody should ha- take a final – can't give it a once-over before it goes into production. <laughs> it still looked like a cool shirt. It's kind of like a funny thing. Um, you know, it's more like a conversation piece. If you know somebody who actually know, in a way, it might be a challenge just to wear it on purpose, just to see how many people who actually will a would rec- would even recognize the mistake. You know? Right. Uh, it's kind of cool. I mean, I'm not saying if once I next time I get the target and if they and if they have it, maybe I'll get it. I mean, but. It was kind of cool. Now, they might they might have ripped it down already. I don't I don't know because I uh the I guess Target never actually replied to that guy's tweet, but they I guess they replied to ours um because there's a I'm scrolling through Twitter right now. Uh let's see here. What did they say? Oh, they said uh hmm, a red lantern core symbol um in the color green. We'll look into this. We love this merchandise and we want it to be accurate. <laughs> uh I, would, I, I mean, it, it would, would be cool from a quality control point of view if they would actually pull something because of that. Do I really think they'll do that? Probably not. <laughs> Maybe they'll just say, okay, when we sell out of these, then we'll fix it and we'll do it right the next batch. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, and just for the record, it was somebody named Harrison Fortnoff who, <laughs> who uh, let me know that this was – or, or – or, Posted on Twitter that this was going on, and I saw it. Uh, and before we get to the Batman v Superman, just throw it out there. It was cool. Uh, Stephen Amell, who plays uh, Oliver Queen on Arrow, uh, was hosting a Q&A on his Facebook page. For those of you who don't know, Stephen Amell has a, one of the more popular Twitter, uh, Facebook pages for celebrities out there. He's, uh, he's quite active on it. Uh, so he was hosting a Q&A while he was on the plane, and I happened to catch it. So I asked him, I said, Q&A, question mark? Okay, if, and I put in, I put in parentheses, if, Green Lantern or just Hal Jordan were to be introduced in your show, how would you do it if you had the creative input? And he actually answered. Uh, Stephen Amell said, I'd ask John what his middle name was. Predict- predictable, but a, dis- but a disappointing answer, at least as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yes, yes and no. First of all, uh, I, I've worded my, my question in such a way that I've seen a lot of these Q&As get picked up by CBR and you know other comic book news websites that like to make a headline out of freaking everything. Um, so I worded it in such a way that it was clear that I was speaking hypothetically. Um, and they've already, I mean, not to say that they can't do it in the future, but they've kind of already dashed down the rumor of John Diggle being John Stewart Diggle in the Arrowverse. So it's clear that Stephen Amell is just saying he liked that idea. And if he had the choice, right, he, instead of bringing in somebody else, he'd, he'd actually would go that route. But I don't know. I, 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 think it's, I just think it's cool he answered because I've, oh, I've been yeah. following Stephen Amell on Facebook for, for, for a long time now and uh, tried to participate in numerous of his little live videos or Q&As and stuff and never had any response from him. This is the first time. And it was, it was in relation to something Green Lantern. So, woohoo! <laughs> 
You've done good. <laughs> but the big thing, uh, and I, it's not really necessarily big, but evidently there was a test screening of BBS DOJ, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Um, and uh, I guess on Reddit or something, somebody had sort of anonymously leaked details and a plot summary and you know people were asking them questions about what was going on so this is all still this is all rumors right okay this is, so i want to i want to preface this this is all rumors it is not absolutely sure now if you don't want to know and you think that this is this it's possible that this might have a grain of truth to it you're welcome to not listen to this segment. Although I don't think Mark, and, you, did you read the whole article? Yeah, I have it in front of me now. Okay. Do you want to get into anything else other than the rumor of who is playing the character? Because um, I don't, I don't really want to. I mean, if if because I think this might be true. Uh, I'm just going. I I'm going through it real quick because I had the I changed it so it shows everything on one page instead of you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess other than maybe. What's, what's supposed to happen in the third act, I guess, related, which kind of relates to the Green Lantern talk, too. Other than that, I don't think we need to go into specific details, even though, to be fair, some of the some of the uh, rumors here are not exactly new, no. which probably reinforces... In a way, it kind of reinforces that maybe some of the other stuff we are hearing that's new might be true, because, again, this seems to, some of the older rumors just seem to be confirmed. In this, you know, in this article or where, you know, the the poster, and it seems to line up pretty closely with what we've already seen. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it. There's there's not there's nothing really. In a way, the Green Lantern stuff is probably the most surprising because, again, as we as we've discussed on the show before, Green Lantern is, you know, pretty much the main the main Justice League member that has been completely off the radar screen as far as right. either casting or cameos or this or that or even rumors as opposed. To, so in a way, yeah, I think based on circum and ba I think based on circumstantial evidence, it there might be a really good chance it's true since so much again, like you said, so much of this these other rumors have been out there for a while, and yeah. even the Doomsday thing, which couldn't have been out there for too long because we didn't we didn't have true confirmation Doomsday was in the movie till the last trailer, right? But even the you know, but so yeah, so you want to just. So how do you want to approach this? Just go into the Green Lantern thing, or yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read these three paragraphs from the website. The this is what I copied and pasted from the website and put on our Facebook page, uh, which is why you should be following us on Facebook and Twitter because certain obviously with the character limit, there's things we can put on Facebook but not on Twitter and vice versa. Uh, <clears throat> from the article itself, from Screen Rant, and what is certainly one of the most shocking reveals, if proven to be true, and seriously, you can't help but feel bad for Warner Brothers if they've kept the secret this long. Hal Jordan himself make, makes not one, but two appearances in the course of the film. Once as a pilot, and again as a member of the Green Lantern Corps, in full costume. Oh, and he's played by Dan Amboyer, uh, replacing Ryan Reynolds in the role. Apparently leaping into the action, creating constructs of fighter jets, among other military para paraphernalia, with a simple quip of what? You didn't think I'd join the party? Hal wastes no time in showing how this version will differ from the previous one. With a costume described as, quote, practical with CG effects, unquote, the suit sounds classic in every sense, with white gloves, domino mask, and green and black color. The costume isn't a shock, but the actor certainly will be, since Amboyer, 
like cyborg actor Ray Fisher, is better known for his stage performances than big screen ones. But after packing on the muscle over the past few years and certainly having the look of Hal Highball Jordan, they spelled Highball wrong, a younger Lantern looks to anchor the upcoming Green Lantern Corps reboot, expected to be joined by Jon Stewart, Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner, dot, 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 everything is fair game at this point. Just leaping right in there, you just you, they they put a picture alongside of a, a cartoon image uh, or a comic image of Hal of uh, Dan Amboyer. He looks exactly like Hal, like a younger Hal. Like I I couldn't think of any way he doesn't look like Hal. I mean, and the, and the leather granted, the leather jacket helps too, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But he definitely looks like Hal. He's got this sort of rugged look. He's he he looks like he could pull off the whole cocky smirk thing. I mean, it, he looks like Hal, a younger Hal. Yeah, based on looks, he certainly looks like he no pun intended that he could uh, do the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an it's it is an interest. It is an interesting rumor, like we've said, because you know th- we've t- we've wondered if Green Lantern was going to show up at all in this movie. And again, we don't have to go into much. De- Many more details about the third act, but the third act is supposed to, essentially is supposed to. We see pretty much the entire Justice League as mm-hmm. far as it's going to be constituted. I guess heading into the first movie. Uh, I don't know. I, I it would be it would be cool if this is true. Um, lots of things. I'm, it it would have been cool. To, I mean, I was thinking just think, thinking this today, completely unrelated to the rumors that we've seen. Just like it would have been cool, depending on where Luke where we leave Lex Luthor at the end of this movie of like, you know, he's kind of like licking his wounds and like, you know, like black Adam or somebody shows up. How awesome would that be to have the rock show up with black? Adam? <laughs> yeah. That's what I keep. That's what I thought from the very beginning of like the Marvel cinematic universe, how they kept, they kept ending the movie with like, we're getting the team together right. and stuff like that. But do the exact opposite for the, for the, uh, the DC movies. And it was more of like a, uh, you know, uh, getting the team together for the Legion of Doom. Right. Like, like that would have been awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, so I, this whole art, this whole article was was interesting. Uh, we don't want to spend too much time on it, but again, some, but there's not the, a lot of the. It's it's interesting that a lot of the rumors that they addressed in the screening were things that have kind of been discussed relatively recently, like about the idea of, which they even hint at in the trailers about. Bat, you know about Batman's brand of justice and what that actually means, as far as mm. you know the, that, the cinematic universe. That you know about there's you know this this screening, you know the review or the details given about it are accurate, and that kind of plays into some of the rumors we've heard about, yeah, about how Bruce Wayne handles his business, and you know, and how he kind of enjoys what he does. Uh, Again, based on circumstantial evidence, I think there's a lot of th- there could be a lot. You know, there seems to be a lot of smoke, so it makes sense that there's some fire in here. Uh, but we'll, I and the other th- the other thing related to Green Lantern was, of course, the 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 idea that the Green Lan- that the hint is that the Flash and Green Lantern have already met and interacted. Yeah, evidently they have some. They exchange some witty banter. Yes, back and forth to to certainly imply that there's they already have a backstory together that. Even if even if most of the other Justice League have not ever met, let alone teamed up, that these two probably have. So that would be kind of cool if that if they do kind of try to build on, they do kind of build on that. So mm. it was a good find though. I did I did, no pun intended. I did find it interesting that certainly 
this 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 isn't one of those articles or one of these you know rumors. You know the list as as in the list of rumors they got picked up everywhere. You know at the same time that I did find it interesting that this isn't something that like almost on every single site on the same day or shortly thereafter. You know we didn't see. So that makes so that in a way I don't know in a way that make me might make you wonder. You know how much truth is there's some truth in it I would say because of the other rumors, but. Maybe there are some things that they're just kind of spitballing on, uh, throwing something against the wall. Maybe it's so, but who knows? Uh, the good news is at least we don't have that much more time to wait to, to find out how much of the stuff is actually true. <laughs> right. All right. Anything else before we go into the current issue reviews or December book reviews? Oh, right? I guess the only thing is speaking of this, I before we, as we were recording this. I, I watched, like, I didn't watch all of it, but I saw, like, the tail end of that Dawn of Justice, you know, the TV special that, that Kevin Smith and Jeff Johns were on. Oh, man, I gotta download that later. Yeah, I, it's, the, the, the thing that's interesting related to us, especially, is the fact that they talk about Green Lantern at the end, because they, because it's kind of like, when Ke- you know, Kevin Smith is kind of like, I'm sure, not much of a prompt for Jeff Johns to ask him about, you know, tell us something that, you know, that, that's, you know, we, we don't know about yet that we, and he talks about, oh, we've seen, you know, water and, and earth and all the stuff and we haven't seen space. And then he mentions, you know, gr- you know, the Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps are coming and they show, and they show, and they, you know, obviously they just show comic book pictures and things like that, but a lot of what, pretty much the two characters that they seem to focus in on mostly was Hal, but they focus on, they had, uh, panels and stuff of, Hal and John Stewart together, which probably is not, you know, a coincidence. So right. probably, again, that probably feeds the fire that we've heard before that J- that John and Hal will probably be the main, the two, probably the focal point, the m- main two Green Lanterns and Green Lantern Corps that we know about. Maybe not the only ones, but they that would probably seem to be the focal point. Yeah, and it makes sense chronologically because yeah. it was Hal, and I mean technically Guy, but Guy it was sort of a what if story, right. and he he was a backup Lantern who never actually became a Lantern, and then he got hurt, and John became the backup to the backup, and so Guy never actually got a ring until the third act, essentially, of, of the Green Lantern Corps. So that's cool. Um, I do like the idea, though, just shouting it out, that they went with a more classic Green Lantern costume look. Yes, I never. I can't wait to see how that works. Yeah, I never. I never bought the. Especially when you saw the, you know, the, the, the you know, from comic book, you know, from from panel to screen or whatever the, that, the making of book was, that when you actually saw like some of the prelimi- preliminary sketches and stuff of how with the white gloves and everything, it looked really good. So I never really bought the idea that, oh, you know, some things just don't translate well into film. It's like, no, you kind of probably made a creative choice. You wanted to do something different. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think the white, I think the classic, I'd be curious to see what the combination of CGI and practical, wow what that really is because we know the mask is kind of shaky in real life nowadays having just a simple regular mask would kind of be shaky so that might be maybe they're going to maybe they will continue the like the that kind of the concept of that being more maybe energy or at least you know partially energy but yeah i'd like to see the classic costume it'll be it'll be very very interesting to see what you know what uh what the justice league movie what the setup for it is at, by the end of Batman and Superman. Just, just like to see how Batman, how they pull it off. Whether they really end up jamming too much in, and we're gonna come, and we're gonna come out going, well, this is kind of what we thought it was gonna be, or be pleasantly surprised. If this rumor is true, it, it sounds like a better movie than I was giving it credit for. 
I'm still working. It sounds like I'd come out of the theater going, "Holy crap!" <laughs> but I am, but I am kind of worried about that. Based on what they say, is supposed to basically be the catalyst for bringing everybody together in the end. That it seems. Oh, that, the the. It's up to you if you want to. If you, I don't. I mean, the thing I, from Man of Steel. In a way, after Doomsday, that might seem anticlimactic. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. Even though they depends kinda, on what he does with it. Yeah, that's true too. And they kind of hint at the fact that you know Doomsday is you know, they may stop Doomsday, but you know, but it's Doomsday, so doesn't mean he's really done, you know. Yeah. And hopefully he does evolve, which kind of you know gives you the. We had heard that rumor before too, before I, I even read this article about the idea that, which would make sense. It does, wouldn't make any sense to have Doomsday look like that and then just you know look like that during the entire movie because if you're gonna go Doomsday, why not make him look like Doomsday, right? So it kind of makes sense that maybe as the fight goes on and may, and maybe as he gets more, maybe as he gets let out and gets exposed more to, even though it's still nighttime, but it gets exposed to solar energy or whatever, then maybe that speeds up his mutation and the bones come out and he looks more like the Doomsday we we know. So, but it's cer- it it's certainly there's a, there'll be a lot to digest. So hopefully it'll be something we both end up liking because Lord knows we'll be talking about it on the show. <laughs> For sure. All right, guys, Star Trek Green Lantern, The Spectrum War, number six, the final issue. Written by Mike Johnson, art by Angel Hernandez, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, letters by Neil Utaki, edits by IDW Publishing's Sarah Gatos, and DC Entertainment's Jim Chadwick. Previously in Star Trek. One universe is dead, another is dying. Necron has resurrected the destroyed planet Vulcan and its inhabitants. With this unliving army, he begins his march of death across the stars. Standing in his way, the crew of the USS Enterprise and the last surviving members of the various Lantern Corps. Uh, we open on the surface of the resurrected Vulcan as Spock confronts his mother, uh, the corpse of his mother and his people. Uh, as he's doing this, uh, Necron is, uh, you know, taunting uh, the various Lantern members and um, uh, the crew of the Enterprise. Um uh, Kirk's asking Hal if you know it's possible to save the people, uh, and you know uh, Hal says you know it's 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 not it's too late for them. Uh, Kilowog points out that Ganth is not here this time to open a, an escape hatch, uh, and that's when Saint Walker shows up uh, out of the blue with uh, with a few more lanterns in tow with the crew of the the Enterprise who got the rings. Um, Kirk calls Scotty. Uh, and tells him to fire on Necron with uh, all the phasers, uh, phasers at max, uh, and they do. Um, that was completely useless, however, as Necron shows up immediately and takes a swing at Kirk and Hal, which Hal blocks. Um, uh, Spock is taking out various uh, uh, Black Lantern Vulcans with his uh, with his phaser, uh, and punching him, too, kind of pistol-whipping some. Go Spock. Uh, and, then, <laughs> uh, and right as his he turns to the phaser on his mother, Jon Stewart shows up and, and takes her out. Uh, then uh, as Hal continues to fight alongside of... fight against Necron, Sinestro sh- joins the fight and kicks Necron in the back, knocking loose his scythe and breaks it in half. Um... Uh, let's see. 
Oh, uh, Kirk. Kirk is talking to Hal, trying to formulate a plan, and that's when uh, uh, Saint Walker says, "You know, the only the life entity is powerful enough to defeat life itself or death itself. Uh, when a single bearer wears the rings of every color, only then is the entity unleashed. Only when the rings choose a bearer strong enough to harness the entire spectrum of emotion." And then he shouts to Bones. Uh, Kirk shouts to Bones, tells him to give his ring to uh, Spock. He does so. Uh, and uh, Kirk slams it on Spock's hand, and all of a sudden uh, it lights up, and the rings fly off Uhura and Chekhov uh, right over to Spock, and they start lighting up, and St. Walker's like, the rings are communicating with each other. They have found their common bearer, the one who can wield their combined might. Uh, And Hal's like, well, what about the others? And over uh, several light years away, we see the red, the yellow, and the green, uh, the red, the yellow, and the orange lanterns fighting one another. All of a sudden, the um, the uh, light wielders uh, of the negative side of the emotional spectrum from this universe uh, are relieved of their rings. They go flying off towards, obviously, the resurrected Vulcan. Uh, Necron gets the better of Sinestro and uh, starts to, you know, approach him menacingly. And all of a sudden, all the rings show up on Spock's hand, and uh, St. Walker says it's working, Ben Hal says, but we need a green ring to complete the spectrum. And and uh, Guy says, meaning one of us has to die. And Hal says, maybe not. Green Lantern's on my mark. Combine our light. And uh, Kilowog, John, Guy, and Hal all shoot their uh, energy uh, combined right at Spock. And the spectrum is uh, completely unleashed, and the life entity is reborn, looking freaking badass. Um, Spock then collapses, but that's okay, because the, the life entity is back. It completely wipes out Necron and all the Black Lanterns. Um, as Kirk is checking on Spock, he says, I'm unharmed, but it would be wise for us to bar- depart this place immediately. And uh, uh, they ask what the, the entity is doing, and Carol says the entity is cleansing every trace of Necron's power, including this planet. Uh, so Scotty beams everybody off the surface of the planet, and Vulcan is destroyed once more. Uh, with the threat completely evaded, uh, we see what happens in the midst of all this. Some of the Lanterns choose to remain on board the Enterprise. That's John Stewart and uh, St. Walker. Others choose to remain uh, on, I guess, no, that's definitely Earth. Yep. Um and, you know, kind of explore the universe different than the, what they left behind. That's Carol, Kilowog, Guy, and some seemingly he found this universe is ice <laughs> <laughs> uh, somehow. Um, they say that they um, they found the uh, remains of the, the ring bearers, uh, the Klingon, the Gorn, and the Romulan, uh, but there was no trace of Atrocitus, Larflees, and Sinestro. Um but that's okay because we'll be ready. Scotty has already convinced Starfleet to approve new ring-based phasers and personal force fields, which we saw developed last issue. Um, and as they're uh, heading off into space, uh, you know, leaving the docks and you know, continuing on their mission, you see, um, uh, you know, Enterprise. This is space dock control. You are clear for departure. And Kirk says, "Acknowledge Captain Jordan if you'll lead the way." And then, my pleasure, Captain Kirk. And it says, my name is Hal Jordan. I am the Green Lantern assigned to Space Sector 2814. Here, in this new reality, my mission continues. I am sworn to protect strange new worlds, new life, new civilizations. To boldly go, 
by Lantern's Light, where no one has gone before. And the end. Dun, dun, dun. Well, other than the noticeable lack of Indigo 1, what did you think? I don't know. I The art, I as we've said before, the art is really good mm-hmm. in this series. The color is very good. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for me to not get... To, not to be taken out of the stories when there's so many beats about what we know about the Lantern Corps that they just don't get right. <laughs> so it's hard. It really is hard. Not trying to be, a, not just trying to be a nitpicker or be, you know, be a gloomy Gus here. But it's kind of hard when we have when when there's a lot of different things that don't quite mesh. And again, if we're Star Trek fans and we don't know anything about the about the Lantern Corps and you don't think twice about it, you just accept it and you move on. But when you're the Green Lantern fans, when you're fans, you know, when you know about the emotional spectrum, some things just don't make sense. Yeah, the Indigo One thing is a is an interesting plot point because it makes no sense. I mean, they 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 had everybody else survive. Why not Indigo One? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they just thought they had to sacrifice somebody, and she's the only one that we really haven't heard anything about. I mean, if if you're collecting everything you you know about all the Lanterns, and specifically the uh the new guardian members of each lantern core technically we know the least about indigo ones so i guess if you're if you know it's kind of ridiculous to think that everybody came out the other side of the last light protocol unscathed you know what i mean yeah in, in terms of the main the main group so i guess if if you're going to sacrifice somebody it makes sense to sacrifice her based on the fact that we know the littlest about her yeah least, but based on I the but based on the spectrum, she's more va- technically she is more valuable than having Guy, John, or Kilowog because we already have Green Lanterns. We don't need to have four Green Lanterns survive. <laughs> Just from a storytelling point of view, I mean. Uh, but there, you know, there are there are you know nitpicky things about you know why why would Guy even say somebody had to die so to temporarily give somebody a Green Lantern ring? I mean, they're on a planet to begin with. You, if the uh, you, the other, the other, one of the other Green Lanterns could have, could have created like a force field around the one Green Lantern if, that sacrificed their ring temporarily. To sort of, how they don't they don't even touch upon at the end like how they're going to keep their rings charged, do they? No, because the rings fall off of Spock's hand. You can clearly see them fall not, off his hand, but they're not they're not charged. They're completely dead. Right, but I meant the I meant the new guardians. I meant all all the characters we know about that are surviving in this universe. They don't really oh. touch upon how they're going to keep their ring still working, unless we unless we are supposed to believe Saint Walker is going to keep everybody's ring functional. But that wouldn't explain like Sinestro and Atrocitus and Larflees who who kind of disappeared. Larflees has his battery. We cut him some slack, but we know everybody else should be running on fumes at some point. Uh, well, unless they're going off the idea that they're siphoning off the same inherent energies in this universe that this universe hasn't figured out how to tap, so they sort of each have an unlimited source. Yeah, but then they reference in another issue about the fact that they didn't have their batteries. I thought I thought Carol said something about that. Right? I know, but that's what that's what I'm saying. But what if they figured out a way yeah, to siphon off I the guess. energy in this universe that hasn't yet been tapped? I guess that. I mean, it is it is, it is possible. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think based on the way this, they they set this up, this is probably in a way maybe was the best possible resolution we could get. You are correct. The white entity, as always, looks awesome. Uh, I don't and know. Completely recognizable as the White Lantern entity. I mean, it looks exactly. Yes, the that. Same way yeah, the, it's there's no doubt artwork. about that. The art. I mean, the artwork in general is good, but for Necron and for the White Entity, and the cover is really good too. The cover mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, the White Entity is unique f- from the moment 
from the moment it first appeared in you know in the in the blackest night it was pretty cool so i I don't know. I I liked it for I liked it for what it was. I kind of was disappointed again that we never did. I really I never really believed for a minute that Ganthet was going to be dead for good, you know. In this whole story, mm-hmm. I thought at some point Ganthet was going to come back by the end. So that kind of disappointed me too. Uh, that's my fault, I guess, for unrealistic expectations, I guess. Uh, but I thought there was going to. Th- I thought it made sense that there would be some kind of setup for that, or he would be brought back somehow. Especially if the white entity, you know, the white entity is certainly capable of resurrecting. Speaking of which, that whole thing with Vulcan being destroyed again was kind of confusing because they say Vulcan's being destroyed, but you don't see anything really blowing up. <laughs> you know, Vul- you really know Vulcan is dying again theoretically just because they're talking about it, but everything else doesn't indicate by looks that it's that it's uh... unless they just meant that. He- I don't know. Because even the, the, the panel afterwards, afterwards, when it says, but the universe lives, I mean, I guess that, to me, I just took that as the sun behind the, that planet, not something blowing up, so, I don't, I don't know. That's a, that's the sun behind a planet, right. not, not Vulcan. Because it almost looks like Vulcanism being destroyed, it almost, I mean, it, it almost looks like the planet is being cleansed of the black, of all the black lanterns and everything, but the planet itself is still alive, or it's still in the, but, we can only go by what they tell us, and they, so... No, I mean, there's, you got that panel of the white entity in the midst of all the rubble. Oh yeah, that, that part that that part makes it seem like the planet is going to be destroyed. I'm just saying the way they just talk about we watch Vulcan die again, and you actually see the panel when they say again, and does, that doesn't really look like a planet's being destroyed. It yeah. maybe maybe on the right hand side you kind of see where it could be fissures, maybe even though it looks just as much like energy, but. It seems it seems kind of odd too for the for the white for the white entity to do that. Yeah. You know, he would you think he would just cleanse the planet. He wouldn't even if he wasn't going to bring back all the inhabitants of the planet. He would cleanse the planet, and then the planet would still exist again. Basically, he would change a dead planet to a live planet physically, just maybe not the inhabitants being brought back. So I don't know. I think I'm sure you liked it more than I did, but I thought I I once as this series went on and we started getting a few more. A lan- you know, Lantern Corps, you know, faux pas here about you know their backstory and what things we know and this, that, and the other thing. It kind of became a little harder for me to, to ignore it. And then the re- even and the resolution again, I guess considering like I started to say or I did say, based on the setup, I guess this was the most logical way they could they could resolve it. But there's it's there's still some things that bug me about you know related to the lanterns. So, but it was a fun read. I can't say it wasn't so. Yeah, it was, uh, and again, I mean, you you said it at the beginning, uh, and we we've I've been saying it throughout the whole, each review. The art and the colors, especially the colors, really does a, a great job with this series. So, but I I, I enjoyed it. I can't wait for the trade. I mean, I, if we're think, talking enthusiasm level, this is the most enthusiasm and excitement I've gotten from six issues of Green Lantern in a while. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is kind of funny because Green Lantern 47 kind of really, at least parts of Green Lantern 47 really pumped me up. But once I got to Green Lantern 48, a lot of that seemingly was starting to be siphoned away already for some reason. Uh, maybe because because we already know the the finite target of you know the the way this whole storyline, how neatly it's going to wrap up real quickly. That I guess maybe that's kind of tempering my enthusiasm for it. But but you are correct to have a six issue to have six issues in a row of any lantern book that we could that really it's been a while 
It's it it's been a while. You may have to go back to either the, for me either the beginning of Sinestro or towards the uh, during the Soul Run on uh, Red Lanterns, mm. somewhere before they wrapped up the, you know the Atrocitus War thing again. So anything to get, I mean anything to to help you get more people interested in Green Lantern. That helps, even though we know the sales for this mini were not exactly off the charts. So. But it, crossovers, you know, crossovers come in handy, and if it can get more people interested in the concepts and, and the emotional spectrum and everything, we can't really complain about that. Yeah, and it's it's pretty clear that DC and IDW had a deal that you know IDW would get Star Trek Green Lantern while DC gets Batman TMNT, uh, and which the first two issues of that are already out, and I'm enjoying the crap out of that one. And you get you actually get an, an ad for that. Uh, in these these comics, even the one uh, in in Green Lantern uh, 47 that you're about to cover, the Dark Knight, the heroes in a half shell together, Kawabatga. Oh God! <laughs> That's probably the cheesiest thing you're going to get out of that. It's actually really good. Uh, so speaking of Green Lantern 47, you want to take it from there? Green Lantern 47, which makes Chad happy because hell hell on earth, baby. That's right. Hell on earth. Uh, let's go through. I own four copies of this, and I I I should have bought more more than one just just to, to at least give uh, solidarity, man. Yeah, solidarity and to uh, at least promote the beginning and the end. The, the 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 book the book ends to this issue, if not the actual story in the middle. Though there are things I do like in the story in the middle too. So let's do the creative team. Let's get that right off the bat. Uh, Robert Venditti is the writer. Um, Martin Cocolo is the is does the majority of the art in this book, uh, pages three through twenty. Ironically, Billy Tan does the intro to me the really interesting part of this book, <laughs> pages one one through two and twenty one and twenty two. Mark Irwin is the is there more than one inker on this? It would seem that that's the way, but they only say he does. Because mm-hmm. it said Mark Irwin only does pages one through two. He does the Billy Tan pages, and, but uh, do they say who does the other pages? <laughs> I'm assuming Martin Cocolo. Yeah, inked must, his maybe own he stuff. inked his own stuff. That's the only thing I could think of too. Uh, uh, Tony Avila, colorist. Dave Sharp, letterer. Billy Tan, Mark Irwin, and Alex Sinclair did the cover. The Darwin Cook did the variant cover for this. I don't actually, I didn't actually get that one. Andrew Marino, the assistant editor, and Eddie Berganza still is our group editor. So, and it's kind of, like I said, it's really interesting that, and we'll talk about Billy Tan at the end, and not like in a negative, not really in a negative fashion, but just related to the fact that he only does a few pages, because that seems to be a common thread lately. Uh, so we begin in Space Sector 2684, where you have two random Sinestro Corps members fleeing for their lives, even though I kind of, I like the guy who kind of looks like Arkillo's cousin, you know? <laughs> he has that look about him, like the, a silver surfer colored like Arkillo. Uh, it's like, we have to inform Lord Sinestro, it's like a, we have to fly faster, and it's like, and the, and the and his partner there, the, a snake-like green, yellow lantern, is like, no, it's, it's not possible, like all the green lanterns are gone, from, or they're supposed to be gone. So these two Sinestro Corps members get blasted by green energy, and we hear so, and we hear someone say Sinestro has followers. They can, then they can die like him. And one and the Sinestro Corps members are screaming, and one's demanding mercy. And as pretty much they're getting snuffed out, you kind of see a, a very familiar-looking face. 
in the reflection of one of his eyes, the dying Sinestro Corps member's eyes. Uh, now, that segues into Above Earth, where pretty much where Hal, you know, on Darlene, you know, which sounds really bad when you say it that way, <laughs> on the ship, Darlene. <laughs> Hal, Trapper, and Virgo are talking. Hal's pretty much saying that, you know, he's about, he's going to take a little bit of time to go, you know, to go back to, down to Earth. He leaves Virgo in charge of Trapper since pretty much he had previous issues. He had kind of booby-trapped uh, Trapper to blow up in case uh, anything happened to Hal. So Hal kind of like puts that trigger on in Virgo's hands now as if as a failsafe. And Hal just so then Hal goes back to Coast City. He ends up uh, at his brother's apartment. And, of course, I kind of like the fact that as soon as he walks in, the alarm system goes off, which, of course, didn't exist the last time Hal was there. You know, the cops show up, and it's like, hands where we see him, and Hal's reluctant to put his right hand up because he, he has the gauntlet all over it. Or as he says, trust me, if I do that, you're, you're, you're going to freak out, and it's just going to make things worse. Uh, so Jim Jim Jordan shows up at this point, and, and he kind of... Ex- you know, tells the cops that it's okay, and you know, Hal and Jim have their moment of of greeting, and you know, th- this is kind of where we f- we find out that you know, Jim Jim's version, or at least his knowledge of what's happened to the to the Green Lantern Corps, pretty much is limited around the fact that you know that Simon Baz was checking in regularly, then then he just kind of like disappeared, and that's when and that's when kind of like Hal points out, that, you know, it's it's not just him; it's pretty much all the all the Green Lanterns are gone, and that's kind of like uh, the only reason he's here is because even though you know this gauntlet you know runs off the same energy, it doesn't you know isn't wired into the ring system as Hal kind of explains it. You know Hal pretty much Hal asked you know you know more or less to you know stick around for a while if you don't mind having me, and he, and Jim goes sure under one condition, and he and he pretty much whips out the clipper and gives Hal Jordan a much-needed haircut almost all of us have wanted him to have for a while. Praise Jeebus. Yes, at least Hal kind of looks like Hal a little bit more again because Lord knows that long hair was getting old. Uh, so we, go, we see an amusement park now. Like, uh, the scene changes to an amusement park in Coast City where we have some, some mysterious replacement parts arriving at the Ferris wheel from... Uh, where the hell is it? What Mordora there? Uh, and of course, nobody's ever heard of Mordora. And, and as the delivery guy drops off the parts and kind of like wheels it away in his dolly, there you kind of see that 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 look on his face right there tell, tells you that it's going to be trouble. Jim and Hal are walking around the amusement park, and of course, uh, the main reason they're going there is because uh, Hal, excuse me, Jim's wife is there, you know, along with you know, Sue's there, along with the two kids. So pretty much they're going to have a nice day at the amusement park, or so we think. And of course, as as they're all, what, is the, what, what the hell ride do they get? They get on the that is the Ferris wheel, right? It's supposed to be yeah. the Ferris wheel. I just from when I looked at it on that panel, it almost looked like teacups until I realized it was going up. So Jim's kids get, on, you know, they end up getting on the, uh, they get on the Ferris wheel. We, you know, we as this happens, the. As they're on the Ferris wheel, boom! A massive explosion occurs because pretty much uh, those little boxes from Medora were, ex- you know, it was a booby trap. It was a, uh, Hal pretty much the Ferris wheel starting to you know, starting to fall. So Hal springs into action and uses his gauntlet to try to. I like the, the big green energy hands 
to hold up the to hold up the Ferris wheel. You know, when some of the cars of the Ferris wheel start falling off, and Hal, you know, Hal does his best, you know, to save them. At this point, we hear, you know, we hear Sue yell Howard, and we realize that, you know, the 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 car that you know that Howard and his sister were in, pretty much that that fell. Hal didn't, you know, he didn't really. In the midst of saving the, you know, the big picture of saving it, you know, that didn't, he didn't see or hear what was going on, you know, regarding his nephew. So Sue is, you know, is screaming for help, and you know, Hal's like, "God help me, I, I'm sorry." And we cut back, you know, to, we cut back to space sector two six eight four, where now, now we see like ring fingers and, and disembodied, uh, those two Sinestro Corps members have been, you know, ripped to shreds. And we see a, you know, the domino mask, which looks like Hal, and he's going, you know, this universe is unguarded. It lives in darkness beyond the twilight. Parallax will bring the dawn. And we see Billy Tan's version of Parallax, which is not great, but it's better than his version of Hal. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like I feel like the spot on the chest where the symbol should be is a little small. It's way it's too scrunched. Yeah, scrunched that's up. It, it should be stretched out a little bit yeah, vertically. To be fair, if the chest, if the chest emblem, the you know the pseudo parallax symbol on Hal's original armor, was drawn a little better, I probably wouldn't have even made that comment. But when, but you are absolutely correct. When you stare at it, especially in that full splash page, that's what your eyes go to first. It's like super, super small, and his hair too. The hair, the hair to head ratio is not exactly right regarding parallax. But he's, but the costume is mostly correct. And next issue, parallax sonar and Batman. <laughs> So, um, I liked it. Uh, a couple of things uh, at the very first, the cover. Um, There's cowgirl. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, the cover. Um, the cover's fine. It's just look at the Ferris wheel in the background. Oh yeah, it looks like it's already tilted over at least. I know. Didn't that look weird? Yeah. I don't know if that's intentional or if that's uh, a messed up perspective shot. But if it's a if it's the latter. Uh, you're better than that. Um, uh, the, the, the haircut thing is great. I, I, you know, because I'm the one that's been wanting this Hal on Earth stuff for so long, I, I feel like I gotta, I, you know, I gotta give my comments on it. Um, it, it now that we know at, at the end of the issue it's Parallax, it's interesting that, uh, he says Sinestro has followers, then they can die like him, and he's creating constructs around their throats. Now, obviously, we see later on they get ripped to shreds. Right, but, but he's strangling them, yes. Yeah, he's got his hands, he's killing them straight away by messing, by wrapping something around their throats. So that's interesting. Um, the uh, To be honest with you, I sort of skipped past all the stuff on Darlene when I read this issue. Um, I didn't, I probably read maybe a couple of words. I was just like, I'm just going to get to your stuff. Um was there anything of note in there, to be honest? I don't think so. It was just because I figured it was just a you guys stay here, I'm going down there. There was just you know, it's Trapper being you know kind of his rough around the edges self, saying you know that you know that that you know Earth is you know it looks boring while you know Virgo is kind of saying how it looks beautiful and serene and you know when Hal and Virgo are going on about how how the positives of how Earth looks and you know it's typical Trapper going on about oh it looks like what the hell do you people do here for fun. There's not that much, just a typical how you know, needing to keep Trapper on his leash, you know, on on a leash, and Virgo's the one holding it till they come back, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't, 
believe there was anything of of super super relevance going on. I think that was kind of honestly, I do think that was probably the least relevant. If you break it into three parts, as in things that happen in the issue, the parallax stuff, the Hal stuff on Earth, and then this the Hal stuff with Virgo and Trapper, that I think that stuff, the Trapper Virgo stuff, is the least important. I think, at least for right now. Uh, love all the stuff with his family. Yes, it's exactly what I wanted. Uh, you know, I do like the what you do with your hair and the, my favorite line: uh, you, you traded in your ring and went Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 and I and and probably my second favorite line is not a line at all. It's just complete silence. I sort of stole the gauntlet from the Green Lantern Corps evidence vault so I could look like a criminal and everything the universe hated the Corps for could be blamed on me. The idea was to give the Corps a fresh start. That way everyone would trust them again. How's and that working out for panel, you? <laughs> a complete panel of utter silence as they stare at each other. <laughs> and then he goes, how's that working out for you? <laughs> Which is exactly what's the what the reader is thinking the whole time. is like, what's the point of Renegade Hal if the Corps isn't there to chase after him? <laughs> If only they knew what was about to happen. <laughs> and what, what the hell are the friggin' new guardians? They're really, I mean, the Templar guardians are really – their absence is really pissing me off. <laughs> uh, we, can get to that. We, we can get to that. With yeah, Edgar. I know. Uh, so let's see. Some of the th- – uh, well, well, one of the things I wanted to say um, – Because the other, the other issue has already come out and I've already read it. I don't – I'm not going to spoil anything for people, but it's it's cool – Reading this issue again for this review, having already read the next issue, noticing that that the stuff from the packages from Medora, Medora, I guess. Yes. Um, it's it, it's if you notice all the sound effects. Yes. Get getting louder and louder, and that causes the bomb detonation. to get the, the detonation. So it's 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 not really a spoiler for next issue, guys. But it's essentially this bomb is is based off of sound. It arms itself and starts charging and charging and tar- charging until a critical mass. The louder things get. So the fact that it's at a Ferris wheel, you know, in, in the middle of an amusement park, when you see these, it's, it's it's sort of jarring at first when you see all these sound effects on the panels here, because you think that that's coming from the boxes and. Like, wait, nobody's hearing this? And then after you read next issue and you come back and read this, you realize that these sound effects are taking place, you know, people's cell phones in their pockets and, you know, all. you can see all the the word balloons from the crowd and all of that. So it makes sense later on. Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, Parallax stuff was good. Mm. The parallax stuff was good. The, the obviously the first two pages we had seen in the preview for uh, before this issue came out. So that's the thing that I tweeted to Robert to Robert Venditti about how glorious the first <laughs> the first two panels were because you knew what was coming. <laughs> yeah. The only any and the, and the the splash you know the last two pages are good too. Uh, I think it's I do think it's interesting though. Before we talk before I finish well before I go back to parallax. I do find it interesting. It's, it certainly would seem on the surface that I, I don't know if – it doesn't look like Billy Tan's going to be the regular artist on this book going forward because he's drawing less and less of it. Yeah. Uh, the next issue, the same exact thing. He draws the parallax pages. I don't think he draws anything else. He, he might draw the cover again, which is still an odd choice because you would think the other – but 
just looking ahead at the solicits that came out, like in for certainly for Green Lantern Fifty One, the solicit that came out today on uh, on Newsarama that he's not the artist in that book either. Uh, so you, this may be one of these. Not it, it certainly would seem based on the fact that this has been trending in that direction over the last you know several issues now that maybe this is going to be like the unofficial changing of the guard, at least of the artist on this book, or they're going to go with, with a rotating artist. Uh, a litany of rotating artists until they come up, you know, until they come up with a, one that they want or they decide upon. But it just seems in, it does seem interesting that that that's the way it's going. That uh, it's something that first you didn't first it's really easy to gloss over. But even going back to the last few issues, I mean, we had you know we had you know Ethan Van Skyver come back and do the you know the, the relic issue. That it seemed it just this certainly has been the trend now if, over the last go, probably at least. Let's say six issues, including the run, including where we're going in the next couple that are about to come out. So that's something that I, I picked. I figured it was worth mentioning because it seems like that may be one of the that may be the first change that DC might be doing on this book is at least trying to get a you know a, a different artist on this book. The parallax stuff is really really good. It makes you wonder again we, because this has kind of always been a weakness with the New Fifty Two when you have stories going on and similar. Stories that are going on and in, in coming out in the same month in different books, and yet the characters are, are like in the same place or in similar places, and the stories don't really mesh. It makes you wonder what exactly the time frame is. Hal being on Earth related to what Sinestro is doing now, related to you know uh, the Pale Vickers, mm-hmm. because of the fact that you would think. That's that, what I was thinking. Yeah, I, it's some, something. It's pretty safe. It's probably safe to say, unless somehow this ties into it in issue fifty, that these are not these events are not occurring at the same time. Because you would think Hal would kind of be drawn to helping out. You would kind of think, which would be cool, because the, re- the, the reason I really thought about this is because it seems like, though we're not there yet, so I could be wrong. This, the, this issue was so cool because of, what, with Parallax, what it builds up about what could happen. Because let's be honest, how it would, and we may not get this moment now, because of this issue, this storyline with Parallax is going to wrap up by issue 50. So if they don't tie it into somehow what's going on with Sinestro, that we're gonna miss a, a great, a great like you know WTF moment because the look on the look on Sinestro's face to see how to see Pal Parallax show up would be priceless. Mm. Talk that'd be like a seeing Sinestro with a oh I just shit my pants look and that pretty much is what it would be would be priceless. It seems like that's and if that doesn't happen in a way that's such a missed up, of course they could do it down the road. But it just seems like it's a missed opportunity, uh, because of obviously you know the parallax, the parallax, Sinestro relationship, as in you know the original Hal parallax, you know that's they would not be on the same side. <laughs> so it just and again some of these things I'm sure by the time we get to issue 50, I don't think we're going to get many answers before exactly what parallax knows about this universe. We know by the end of next issue there are a few things that he does know. One they kind of give an explanation for, one they don't, but I guess we can give them a pass, like on on knowing a certain individual is still is still alive. That would kind of make sense. They don't tell us why. Maybe they'll maybe they'll give us a you know a blurb about it. But it'll be interesting to know how much Parallax knows about this universe. I mean, he knows there's no green he knows there's no Green Lantern Corps. That becomes that becomes firmly established. But does he know that there was one again after Emerald Twilight, or does he just still think that there was never a Green Lantern Corps ever again after what he did. 
So that's why it's going to be interesting to see how much of this universe knowledge he, he already knows and how much he's going to get from Hal. Because you have to think how, that's going to be part of how, you know, the characters, you know, in the solicits, how both characters change forever, or how they always throw lines like that out in the solicits. You would have to think some of the knowledge that Hal kind of bestows upon Parallax is going to be part of the thing that changes Parallax's view on things. But the question is what exactly... <laughs> A lot of stuff. I mean, that's been. You like, said Parallax's view. Oh, yes, the Parallax view. Parallax view, yeah. Yes. Freudian slip or not so. Uh, just like we talked about in the, in the State of the Union issue, that episode, that there's a lot of things just between the, the interaction between Hal and Parallax that could have a great, huge ramification on Parallax and how he views himself and what his role is. But I'd be curious to see what, Hal, what Parallax's influence on Hal is going to be. Uh, so that's what I'm. That's I'm. I'm kind of more curious about that because in a way, what Hal can Hal's influence on Parallax can almost be predictable again to a certain extent based on just filling him in on things. But what Parallax is gonna, unless it's gonna have be the same kind of thing, that Hal's gonna realize that well, everything that all the bad things you remembered Parallax doing, well, if it wasn't for this Parallax, there wouldn't be any universe left anywhere. <laughs> so. But that that's but that you know that's 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 me that's me being really really happy about at least what what's gonna at least that we have parallax on the scene for the next couple of issues before it wraps up so at least like until it, until we actually see it at least it's good to uh, have a lot of positive anticipation but this this was a really good issue and the and the build up for parallax was, was pretty cool yeah my final thoughts on it uh, before I go into uh, Sinestro eighteen four. Okay, it's Hal back on Earth. So, for the first issue of Hal back on Earth, the transition from where we were to get to this story, plus the necessary setup to get to where we're going to be with Parallax, with both of those things having to be accomplished in this issue, I liked it. Yes. For a Hal on Earth story. I mean, obviously I would prefer both of those things not be in it and just you know, Hal back on Earth and all everything. But if we have to, you know, th this this is point B. If we had to go from A, if, if A took us to B and B is taking us to C and we need to see both A and C in this issue, then if, if those two sides are necessary, then I'm okay with B. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd, I'd obviously prefer to see more of it, but you know I can't change where they were and I can't change where they're going. But for for what I wanted to see within the context of what was and what is will be coming, I enjoyed it. Yes, and to be and to be fair, uh, based on again the, what you but you and a lot of other people were looking forward to seeing, that was the majority of the issue. Yes. So that is a plus, and I think it does, like you mentioned. I think it works really. I think it does work. I don't think it works as well in the next issue as we'll talk about. Probably because I kind of was, and it, more not because of the the unearth stuff does work. I don't think the parallax stuff will, does works as much as as we'll go into because I don't think it doesn't move the action ahead that much. And I guess that's what disappointed what disappointed me about that. I kind of thought that be we'd be a little further ahead in the game, or we'd see something of a little more relevance than we did. If, they were, if he was going to be in that issue at all, they could have not even had him in the issue, and that might have worked better for me, since we know he's—we know based on logic, he's not going to really show up at, at Co City until probably the end of '49. I mean, that's the way you know, based on normal storytelling, that's what's going to happen—that he's not going to show up 
and Hal's not going to be face, facing off against him until probably the end of the very last panel or two of 49, and then rolls into the, the double-sized 50. But I think this issue works really, really well, and I do think the Earth stuff, as we'll go into when we do the, the uh, January books, the Earth stuff, I think, on Green Lantern 48 works really well, too, as a preview. <laughs> All right, so next one, number 18, Drafted. Writer, Colin Bunn, pencils, Brad Walker and Neil Edwards, inks, Drew Hennessy, Jonathan Glapian, and Robin Riggs, colors by Blonde, letters by uh, Marilyn Patrizzo, cover by Walker Hennessy and Jason Wright, assistant editor, Andrew Marino, editor, Mike Cotton, group editor, Eddie Berganza, and then we get some nice creator credits for uh, Superman and uh, Wonder Woman, which we'll obviously get to later in the issue. All right, so we open up where we left off. Earth is under siege by the Paling, both Earth uh, on the surface and Earth outside in orbit with uh, uh, War World slash ranks. Um, now, we see this from several perspectives, which is, you know, not, not, not at all a subtle teaser because we did see these characters last issue in uh, brief glimpses. We see Jonathan Crane, the Scarecrow, Wade Wilson, uh, Slade Wilson, sorry, uh, uh, Deathstroke and Harley Quinzel, which of course is Harley Quinn, as the Paling is attacking Earth. Out in space, we see Sinestro and his Sinestro Corps going up against the Paling alongside Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman sees that Earth is besieged, essentially, um, and says, I need to go down and help those people. Sinestro says, fine, go, and assigns a squadron of his uh, Yellow Lanterns to go down with her to help protect Earth. Sinestro and Black Adam dis, uh, uh, see that the their actual energy, the uh, energy of the uh, fear, is not really affecting the paling, but that's where uh, uh, more precise measures <laughs> come in handy. <laughs> as uh, Black Adam rips one of them in half with his bare hands, so everybody takes more direct approaches to attacking the paling. Then. Sinestro shouts at ranks, deploy War World's drone defenses. Uh, he does so. Um, uh, he tells the Sinestro Corps to converge on ranks. We must not allow them to infiltrate our... I'm afraid I have bad news. They're already here. And Sora sees that all the people in the sick bay uh, who have been affected by the paling are now completely overcome by the paling. And that's when uh, Nax uses her vivisection powers and completely obliterates them all. Which is uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> basically, she sort of gestures at them, and they just sort of explode. Um, well, they do explode. Um, they uh, The battle is, is, is heating up uh, out, out in space, and all of a sudden, submit to the Inquisition. The sacrilege of emotion must be rebuked. You'll be blessed and made pure, and it is Mongol uh, in paling garb and Sinestro's inner monologue. Mongol, I cast him in his face, shrouded in the light of fear, a lure for the paling. They found him and sent him back to me challenge to sent him back to challenge me. Um, and he says the Green Lanterns are gone, but their legacy of blunders lives <laughs> on in me. Um, Mongol's just like that bed penny that just keeps showing up. <laughs> uh, he everybody kind of looks down and you can see that earth is starting the defenses are falling and paling is starting to swarm earth a little bit cut down to earth and you see um, the depowered superman 
Uh, the I'm not reading it, guys, but essentially what happens is they introduced a new power in, to Superman um, several issues back. I think it's called the Sunspot or the Flare or something like that. Basically, Superman can go like Supernova, but he can do it only once, and he's, uh, his powers are severely diminished afterwards for a long stretch of time. So now he's wearing blue jeans, work boots, a T-shirt, and he's got a cropped hair. And throughout all of that, everybody now knows that Superman is not Superman. He's Clark Kent. Um, the whole Earth knows this, evidently. Um, but back to the action. Uh, Superman is uh, going up against the paling to his best ability. And all of a sudden, they're all kind of skewered and shot with yellow light. And Wonder Woman comes flying in, and she, he says, what are you doing, team, with them? Archelos says, Sinestro Corps, we are the saviors of... And he trails off, <laughs> and someone goes, Earth. And then he's, the saviors of Earth! <laughs> 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 Show them why they must fear us. And then you see uh, uh, Lysa say, I've, I've seen this day. This is the day that changes everything. This is the day of Sinestro's greatest triumph, but it is also the day Sinestro falls. And we see uh, Black Adam go up against Mongol. Sinestro is greeted by Sora and Nax. Uh, uh, he sends Nax off to obliterate various uh, 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 paling individuals, and uh, uh, he's. <laughs> but I just got to read this dialogue. Sora says Nax used her gifts to stop those who were infected, and Nax says I was taught not to kill, but to examine. Then by all means, Nax, go forth and examine our enemies <laughs> to your heart's content. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Sora says, how do you seem so calm? We're in the middle of a war. You have something planned. What is it? And he says, I'll show you. And that's when he unleashes the uh, the Manhunters. Uh, no man shall escape Sinestro's might. They go off. They face up against the Paling. A group of them do, and the other group go off to locate the Pale Bishop and hunt him down. And then another group says, initiate recruitment. And they open up and unleash a ring from each of their heads. And it says Sinestro Corps ring online, seeking for suitable candidate. And down on Earth, Jonathan Crane, Slade Wilson, Harleen Quinzel, Diana of, Diana of Themyscira, Kal-El of Krypton. You have the ability to instill great fear. Welcome to the Sinestro Corps. And Scarecrow, Deathstroke, Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman and Superman are all drafted into the Sinestro Corps, which gives us the title, of course, of Drafted. What do you think? It was pretty good. Yeah, I, I liked it. I just want to say right off the bat, DC, you're missing out by not giving us uh, toy lines. I mean, I, I get that all this isn't like as big as it was during Blackest Night. But a death, a Yellow Lantern, Deathstroke, a Yellow Lantern, Harley Quinn, a Yellow Lantern, Wonder Woman, a Yellow Lantern, Superman. Forgetting all of that, I would you would. About forty to fifty dollars off of me already. If you if you did a Lysa figure and a Black Adam as a Yellow Core, Lantern Core member figure, just even, those two alone, I would buy those. Even Becca. Becca would be a great one too, but I don't know if they would do it. Yeah, but, she's a minor. She's such a minor character. Yeah, she she doesn't have any sort of name recognition. Uh, I mean, I know she was a New God before, if I remember right, but even then, she was a minor New God. Right. So. Uh, but Black Adam as a Yellow Lantern Corps member and Lysa as a Yellow Lantern Corps member, I mean, what, those DC Direct or DC Collectibles, I guess they're called now, are going for about, what, 25 bucks a figure? 
you you'd get fifty bucks on me just off of those two two figures if you did them if you did them right. I mean, if they if you based them off of horrible models or did bad paint job or whatever, maybe not. But if you did them the way I'm imagining them, if the, with to the quality you did them during the Blackest Night line, you'd get fifty bucks off me right there, uh, and you might get some money off of me depending on what the costumes look like for uh, for Deathstroke and Har. <gasps> Excuse me, Harley and Wonder Woman and Superman. I mean, Superman we sort of see here, and I'm not really that interested in that. Depends on how you would do the model of him. Like, would it include the kind of construct energy cape that he's got there? I mean, I don't know. Just box sets alone, they could do a bunch of bunch of different figures. I mean, they could yeah, but, do so, they could yeah, do for so sure, much. For, for sure, they, they could get some money off of me. Plus, we never got a, a Rancor figure... Um, or what was his name, right? Red Lantern, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, with the sort of Firestorm hair, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many new lanterns as as kind of wishy washy as some of these storylines have been. You still got some great character lantern designs out of them, so you're kind of missing the boat not giving us a toy line, guys. Arkillo is a Ar Arkillo just makes me laugh. I mean. He's got maybe again because he's gotten the raw deal so so I mean, he's gotten shafted so many times. But you have, a, you have a thing for characters who've been shafted. Saint Walker. <laughs> even, yeah, so, even though Saint Walker, I I love Saint Walker long before he got shafted. It just made, it actually it ang ironically because he's full of hope. It angers me that Saint Walker has been treated so shabbily. But but Ar because there's something about Arkillo, you know, there's kind of like a no. Even back when we when we had his origin, even I think even before we were actually saw his origin, we were kind of told about you know the planet that he came from. That there's there's two sides of Arkillo. There's there's you know there's the there's the animal cannibalistic. You don't want to be anywhere near the sky side. But then there's the warmer side of him. That you know the side that's loyal to Sinestro, the kind that became friends with Saint Walker. All these things. And. He's been so loyal to Sinestro, and he keeps getting the raw deal. But he's also got this. this there's a, there's a fun. There's just something funny about Arkillo sometimes. Like like I'm glad you you read that like verbatim about you know we are the saviors of and like he and he for, like he forgot like almost like he forgot the name of the planet till I think it was Kale who yells Earth, <laughs> you know. Oh. And I, I'll mention this only because it was in the pre. It's in the preview for the for the new issue that comes out uh, tomorrow. Did did you see the preview? For this, no. for that, there, there's this part when they're showing they're showing scenes on Earth, and Sinestro, and and he and Arkillo is is like he's like he's fighting off the, like the pale vickers and protecting like this, I think this woman and her child, and then and this and the child goes oh it's 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 okay we were like we were saved by we were saved by a superhero and you just see Arkillo's eyes like it's super bright it's like oh so it's kind of like you don't entirely know if it's like he's like yeah I want to be a superhero it's like are you kidding I'm a superhero you got me. You got me all wrong. It's just that that one panel because you can interpret it like either way. It's just so it's just perfect the way you know Arkillo kind of is these days. It's just when you see it, I think you'll appreciate the panel. It's like whoa, I'm a superhero? Are you kidding me? So yeah, my only concern. I'm, I, it's a good issue. I think they might be dragging out this resolution to the Pale Vickers a little bit too long. I think it could be being stretched out a little bit longer than it, than maybe it should be. Uh, I think I mean we are getting closer to the end, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, maybe because it looks like we're gonna have like at least three issues since they've gotten to Earth pretty much before this thing gets resolved at least. So, and and I'm much more interested in the 
I mean, the Mongol thing was a nice little curveball. It was a nice little thing you didn't necessarily see coming immediately. Makes sense now once you go back and look at it, which is good storytelling. When you, something you don't necessarily see absolutely coming the minute they do it, but now that you look back at it, you go, well, yeah, that made sense. They did it that way. They were. Uh, but the idea that you have Mongol was kind of cool, but I think we all want to see, you know, the deal with, you know, the pale bishop. We want to see that, and we want to find, and ideally, we'd like to find out who the hell he is. Yeah. <laughs> so. But a good issue. Uh, yeah, not a lot to it, to be honest with you. I mean, there's a lot of word bubbles and a lot of action, uh, and I, I, I was, I was really kind of brief in my recap, but that's essentially what happens. There really isn't much more else to go into. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad issue. No, no, no. Uh, it's just between what you see visually in the panel and the words being said, there's really not much more to it than than what than what I said in the review. So, um, I I gotta say I really like the art and, and the colors in this, uh, especially now that there's so much action happening. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a, obviously a lot of yellow, but the yellow does look pretty good, you know, page to page. It doesn't get really boring. It's still pretty uh, bright, uh, unique, exciting, crackling with energy, you know, stuff like that. The art, the artwork is really good. Most of the characters really look good, despite the fact that we have more than one artist in this book. And sometimes that is a little distraction when they're when the panels change, kind of like too close together, from switch from one artist to the other. But you know, but Sora Sora looks pretty cool, with, regardless of who's drawing her. Nax is pretty good. So is Black Adam. Um, yeah, I think yeah from an art from an art perspective, it's 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 really good. And I and, and I can and I do kind of like the fact that even though it's obviously a much smaller and must and seemingly less relevant scale, that in a way this this reminds me of the Sinestro Corps War a little, especially uh, some of the things that happened in there and when they came to Earth and everything. It's just some of the action. It's kind of ironic, and maybe it's supposed to because of the fact that now that the Sinestro Corps is waging is waging a war on Earth again, but this time they're trying to you know they're protecting it as opposed to trying to conquer. It. For sure. All right, man. Go ahead, take it away. Don't know why. Don't know why you want to, but go ahead. We're not going to talk much about this, uh, but we figured it, we figured it made sense to throw this in just because we had talked about previous issues of Lobo that were lantern centric, and since there there really were only three lantern books this month, otherwise. It, so I'm going to talk ever so briefly about Lobo 13, which was the last issue of of the Lobo book. Uh, so we really, so at the end of the day, we don't really get much resolution to the whole working for Sinestro thing, and we don't know whether if that's going to be picked up down the road or anything else. But basically, we have we have Lobo who's pretty much drugged out of his mind, and he and he's basically seeing seeing all these hunters and everybody else, all these dead, all these fat people from his past pretty much and he's being so he's so drugged out that's all he's seeing and at the end of the day what he doesn't really realize is he's kind of fighting Hal Jordan in, in, in real life he's fighting Hal Jordan but that's not who he thinks he's fighting at this point and so we don't really I mean obviously I guess if you were buying this book normally I guess you might care about Lobo as Lantern fans I don't think we care much about Lobo we care about Hal so it's kind of good to see that that 
and I guess maybe they give Lobo a crutch because he's so drugged out of his mind he can't really focus on what he's doing properly since he doesn't really know who he's fighting. But it's kind of good to see a lantern finally kind of hand Lobo his ass because Hal pretty much does for the most part. And there's a, there's a lot of back and forth fighting. You know, Lobo gets knocked down, Lobo gets back up. That kind of continues for a while until Hal does a Hal does a pretty nice trick when he he flies you know he flies into the atmosphere and above the atmosphere with Lobo and then he kind of <laughs> and then he kind of lets Lobo go, fall. So basically, despite his healing powers, Lobo pretty much almost almost you know burns beyond the point of being able to you know recover to resurrect himself or to uh, reform his damaged cells and everything because he burns up in, upon re-entry. But of course, sadly for us anyway, for, for me, Lobo doesn't quite die. He, you know, he's still kind of haunted by the you know the images of his past and until he until he falls unconscious and then you know Hal comes. Hal comes back down to Earth, or the planet that he's on, to ground, I would say, Earth in the general sense, to look for look for Lobo. And, of course, at this point, Lobo's gone. He doesn't know, you know, where, the hell, where he is. But Hal doesn't really care all that much because he figures at some point they're going to, you know, they're going to cross paths again. And, for, and Lobo has been captured. And, you know, somebody's trying to basically tell him what's happened to him. It's like, you know... You know, you're good at putting yourself back together, but you you, know, you you didn't realize you've been drugged out of your mind and all this stuff. And I th- I think this ca- this you know this this character pretty much you know has, was planning on using Lobo, and of course Lobo has none of that. It's like he just guts the guts the guy, stabs him through the chest. And I guess Lobo's supposed to be showing up in February, Batman and Superman number 29. For those who care, I don't think Chad and I really do. <laughs> Ah, oh, Ethan Van Skyver, the only guy who could possibly make that costume look any good, still doesn't look that great. I know. I'm glad you you mentioned that because I was going to go back and mention it. it's such such an odd, 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 pretty much almost like literally almost like a cameo appearance appearance by Ethan Van Skyver's art in this issue. It's like why? <laughs> why is he even in this book? <laughs> I mean, it just seems really, really weird. I mean. I mean but yes, he, when Hal comes back down to the planet looking for looking for Lobo, and it, it's absolutely clear um, for multiple reasons, in multiple ways that this is Ethan Van Skyver drawing Hal Jordan. But yeah, a beautiful piece of art in a, in the book, and and, that's, and the book ends. It's, it's, it's Van Skyver too, right? Isn't he drawing mm-hmm. the last couple of pages, including with Lobo when he get when he's on that ship? Mm-hmm. I think it looks like so. So the, yeah, it's kind of an interesting. Wonder why you know they needed an, another artist and why it would be Van Skyver to do this book of, but maybe because of the ties, maybe with Bun slightly to Sinestro, maybe. Uh, but I don't know. Hey, I have nothing to say about it. Uh, I will say, not because I don't care about Lobo, because I really don't. <laughs> um, to be fair, my Lobo isn't this Lobo. Nope. Uh, I'm one of those people who is like. Who wants the old school pre New Fifty Two design of Lobo? The you know the Bastiche, you know the the big muscle head, and you know the guy you saw in like the Justice League animated series, and you know all the, that guy. Um, I will say though, when when Lobo was first introduced in the New Fifty Two with his new design, I did not like it. Um, uh, and I, to be fair, pre New Fifty Two, I probably wouldn't have read a, a Lobo series to begin with, anyways. So all of that considered, 
I've heard pretty good things about this Lobo series and make me want to make me think that if they have to deal with the new 52 Lobo design, uh, you know, kind of kind of like I was saying with 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 the Green Lantern issue, you know, if we had to have this, uh, if if these are the, the toys we have to play with and this is the sandbox we have to play with them in, I feel like they're doing a pretty good job given the parameters. Um but again, it's Lobo's not a character that I would read much about to begin with. Um, I when we were covering it for the show with the Lantern stuff, I was really paying more attention to the Lantern stuff than I was the Lobo stuff. So I really don't have anything to say about it. But keeping in mind, you know, for those of you who are reading and enjoying that series, my critiques of it don't really come from a place of someone who has an extended. Uh, or passionate history with Lobo, uh, so I'm I'm just I, I I have nothing to say about it, but that's not me talking about the quality of the series. I just the parts I'm interested in didn't really mean much. I told Mark when I saw it and I read through it because you know I, I I checked it out. I think I I read it before uh, Mark did. I was yeah, like, yeah, you did. I said there's really no point of us covering this on the show <laughs> because not, not, I mean, nothing really happens. Yes. Hal's in it. Yes. Hal fights Lobo, but there's, I mean, it's, it's really a fight and that's it. So then that's really all there is to talk about. So I, I don't have anything else to say about it. No. And I, and I would echo your, your thoughts and sentiments on Lobo too, as far as uh, it's not an indictment about the quality of the book. Because we like Cullen Bunn for the most part in his work, so it's just the fact that you know the character doesn't have much of an appeal to me either. So the only reason you know, which is you know probably part of the reason why it was done this way, either because Bunn wanted to cross over and tie help almost like a, an appendix to some of the, to what he's doing in uh, an addendum to what he's doing in his Lantern books, uh, or just because they were trying to help the sales maybe of Lobo and keep it around a little bit longer. That it just seemed like that was the only reason you know we even dealt, you know we covered Lobo because of the ties to the Lantern Corps, so, and I just felt it was because of because it's a relatively light month of books, and because at least this wraps up and Hal is in it, and it's and the fact that it's nice to see Lobo finally not win for a change against the Lantern, or not even you know seemingly win just to find out that he's not. It was, it was kind of good, so on that level. But yeah, there's not there's 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 not a whole lot there's not a whole lot there, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna miss. You know, this reading about <clears throat> having to pick up a Lobo book to find out what's going on, or in you know some fringes of the lan- of the Lantern verse. So, all right, guys, uh, that's it for the December books. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, listener feedback.
Sawate. My name is Stella, and I host Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. I, along with my dear friend Donovan Morgan Grant, are going to be hosting a special Backroll to Oracle episode called The Minority Report. I'm putting the call out right now for anyone that identifies himself or herself as a minority to have a discussion centering around this question. Are minorities portrayed properly in media? Now, Donovan Morgan Grant and I will be leading this discussion and would like your input. So whatever your nationality, ethnicity, gender identification, or sexual orientation, if you are interested in being a part of this conversation, please contact me at backrowtooracle at gmail.com. This discussion will take place in early 2016. Heterosexual white males need not apply. Thank you, and I look forward to hearing from you. In fact, I think we should record a promo about all the changes to the Fire and Water Podcast Network happening this year. What do you think, Rob? That's a great idea. We can mention the new folks joining the network and all the shows. I can talk about how we'll continue with our Aquaman and Firestorm show, and I want to be sure to plug my movie show, The Film and Water Podcast. What about you, Ryan? Oh, I think we should definitely record a promo. I'll mention how the Secret Origins Podcast is joining the Fire and Water Network, and then I'll introduce my newly relaunched shows, Give Me Those Star Wars and Power of Fishnets, The Black Canary and Zatanna Podcast. Sound good to you, Chris? Absolutely. I'll mention the show I record with my lovely wife, Cindy, Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast. We should probably also mention the Power Records podcast Rob and I do, too. What about you, Siskoid? Well, sure. I can talk about my ensemble show, the Lonely Hearts Romance Comics podcast, and my new upcoming shows about the DC Comics crossover event, Invasion, and yes, Oh Hot Moo. Shag, you think we should mention Hero Points, the most occasional DC Heroes role-playing podcast? Sure, why not? And I can talk about Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, and mention my new upcoming show, Justice League International, Wahaha podcast. Now, here's what I'm thinking. When we record, I'm fine being the first person talking. I can explain all the changes to the Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do you get to start the promo? I'm just as much of a part of this as you are. It was my idea to create the Fire and Water podcast back in 2011. I should start off this promo. I kind of think it should be one of the new voices who kick off the promo. It'll shock the listener into attention if it's not Rob or Shag. Cindy and I make up two people in the network. Plus, you know, ladies first, so we should be the first people talking on the promo. Ben voyons donc. You have what? got uh, what? French Stop it. You're like boys with toys. Let's just make this simple. We can tell the folks at home the Fire and Water Podcast Network is growing in 2016. Several new shows are joining the network. We'll have a new dedicated website, a Twitter account, and Facebook page. And folks will be able to subscribe to each individual show or all of them. See, now was that so hard? Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available soon through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fireandwaterpodcast.com. Seriously, Shag, you had to get the last word, didn't you?
comes out to stare. Use your fingers, use your toes, use your boobies. I've got those. Emails and tweets. Emails and tweets. Emails and tweets. All right, guys, we're back from break, and now some listener feedback. We have an email or two here in the next uh, couple couple minutes. But I was on iTunes the, uh, just the other day, and I noticed that we have some reviews. And I double check with Mark. I don't think we've we might have had a review uh, or so that we talked about on the show since we took over, but we couldn't really recall clearly. So, given that the most recent review is from December 5th of 2015. Uh, I figured we'd just go ahead and get all the reviews that we have on iTunes uh, from um, from Mark and since Mark and I have taken on the show, we just talk about them all on the air. So that the next time we see a new review, uh, we'll clearly know where her last uh, left leaving off point was. So. Starting at the last one we got after Mark and I took over the show, it's from June 3rd of 2014 from somebody named Green Lantern Prime. All of these are five-star reviews, by the way, so thank you so much, everybody. That is awesome. It looks like we have a four-and-a-half star, uh, four stars on iTunes as a whole out of uh, 50 reviews, so thank you very much. That really helps us out. But uh, from Green Lantern Prime, June 3rd, 2014... Really enjoying the commentary. Chad and Mark have good chem- have a good chemistry and knowledge of not only the characters they like, but also of the ones they aren't fond of. Enjoying every episode, listening to Chad complain about having to read Larfleys and Threshold was entertaining. <laughs> was surprised to learn that I was not the only person on the planet who not only remembered Denver the Last Dinosaur, but also liked it. <laughs> S- sorry for the rant. Can't wait for the next episode uh of both the podcast and the hard traveling heroes as well. Keep up the good work. So that was in 2014, clearly before we did even did the threshold yep. um, episode and before Mark launched his spinoff. Uh, yes. Denver, the last dinosaur. I love that. I did have an idea for a podcast uh, that I was going to do with uh, my friend, uh, Andy Capellish, uh, but just sort of flew by the wayside, but I wanted to use the actual, just kind of peek behind the curtain. I wanted to use the intro music from Denver the Last Dinosaur, obviously just the instrumentals for the intro music for the whole show. Uh, that didn't pan out, but I will say this: I am doing another podcast at some point, and do I want to say what it's about? No, I don't. Um, Green Lantern's involved somehow. Now I'll just say it because you guys are going to think I'm cheating on Mark. Action Comics Weekly. We're doing an Action Comics Weekly sh- uh, show in the vein of what Ryan Daly is doing on The Secret Origins with a bunch of guest hosts talking about guest characters. Mark, obviously, <laughs> I am extending an invite to you to come on and to talk about the Green Lantern portion of stuff from Action Comics Weekly. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Between you and Myron, I'm sure we'll be good. <laughs> that is true. Uh, on September 16th, uh, oh, well, by the way, uh, each of these reviews have a title. Uh, that one was good show. This one is Let This Light Shine Bright from someone named Black Ice 77 September 16th, 2014. Love the Green Lantern. So happy I found this podcast. Went back to download older recordings. Listen to the show while I'm at work and on the road. Keep up the good work. Uh, this one's titled Fantastic by Stig423. Anything about Green Lantern is awesome in my book. The guys on the show make it even better. Love it. 
The Best by Rob Bays. Chad and Mark are amazing. December 14th, uh, December 19th, 2014. Um, this one is titled Great Detailed Green Lantern Podcast by Mountain Flower 1, August 16th, 2015. Great podcast where fans old and new can find detailed recaps, thoughtful reviews, interesting interviews, and exploration of the historic Green Lantern stories. The hosts do a good job of sharing the show, making it an enjoyable listen. Download a bunch of episodes and just let them play. That's awesome. The checks are in the mail, people. <laughs> uh, this one is Green Lantern Java by Castle1138, October 20th, 2015. Wow, I didn't know there was this much passion for the Green Lantern. Absolutely love the show. This It's like my daily fix for Lantern Talk and News. Thanks, guys. Uh, this one's titled Great Show by JaxGem01, November 19th, 2015. Whether you're a poozer or a ring-slinging veteran of the Corps, you will absolutely love this show. They cover everything Lantern Corps-related. Comics, cartoons, toys, collectibles, and movies are all given time. This show is so hardcore comics that they actually had a crisis level even two years ago, when the, and when the dust settled, there were new hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Rest assured that these new guardians of the podcast didn't miss a beat, and the show has maintained an unbelievable level of in-depth conversation and witty banter. That's really nice. These are really nice. I'm, a, I, I, I'm virtually blushing right now. It's like this is really sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's really, uh, it's really uh, reinvigorating my enthusiasm to be, to be honest with you. Uh, not that I was, you know, dying for, for uh, like I was fluctuating or anything, but that new podcast idea, like you know, just designing the logo for it and like the feedback I was getting from fellow podcasters on how the layout should be and stuff like that. It was I was getting excited for that. So I kind of found these reviews at the same time, and it kind of brought back my enthusiasm for, you know, kind of reinvigorated my enthusiasm for what we do on this show to the same level as, you know, the excitement I am for the new show I'll be doing. So it's it's really cool. I It was really cool to see those. I mean, it wasn't just one or two. I mean, it's like eight of them. And speaking of eight, um, the last review... Uh, thorough and thoughtful by DS and RS, December fifth, twenty fifteen. This is a great resource for any Green Lantern fan with insightful analysis of the comics as well as coverage of all things in the Lantern universe. That was awesome, guys. It was. It was. That was. I mean, we love all. We love all the feedback, but it may, maybe because again, maybe because for whatever reason, you know, we kind of zoned out about even you know thinking about. The reviews for I mean we th- obviously think about them, but I mean the idea of it didn't somehow the, you know the gong didn't go off that we hadn't you know read any of these on the air in such a long time on the show period let alone when Chad and I had been running it, running it that I don't know it just seems like it was like yeah it it is reinvigorating it is kind of it does kind of like help sometimes positive reinforcement is needed especially when when we, when we know that and this is not meant to be a real a shot i think it's just an objective statement that we know we are not exactly r- right now in the golden age of green lantern stories as far as from an enthusiasm point of view and not just ours i'm just talking fandom as we discussed on the uh state of the union episode that sometimes little things go a long way and that that, that does that does you know that does help a lot especially because we know it's you know, sometimes sometimes it is it is a challenge to to be enthusiastic and try to be positive about things when you're not necessarily when you yourself the passion is like 
your passion for the character and the concepts, but not necessarily the material that you're getting every single month, or or not uh, maybe one third of what you're getting is what you're, something you're passionate about. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Like, I think I think the I wouldn't say we have dwindling enthusiasm because I really get excited, you know, uh, you know, posting the episodes and getting feedback and you know listening to the finished product and everything. But you know, when you're when you're reviewing stuff that really isn't like you were saying, Mark, when you're reviewing stuff that isn't really that that you know compelling all the time. Exactly, it's it's hard to be. Because once we start recording, I'm fine. But leading up to a recording, it's it's not so much. It, it's not like I'm like, oh man, here we go again. It's just like, you know, it's more of you know we need to get an episode out for the week. And it's not that I. It, it has nothing to do with you know. Oh my, I got to talk to Mark again, or you know, any, <laughs> sure it is, sure it is, <laughs> or anything like that. It's just more of, you know, I'm excited to talk to Mark, and I'm excited to you know talk about Green Lantern, but. What we're discussing isn't really that great. That's why it come it really comes through when we're doing something we enjoy, like Ion, or you know the the State of the Green Lantern Union episode and things like that, because those things are things we're excited about. So I mean, not only I mean there are times when we do a, a review episode like this this issue of Sinestro, guys. I didn't even read it till tonight, and that's not because. Because Sinestro is one of the better books. I think I just accidentally forgot I had it because I get everything digitally now. I kind of forgot I had it in my to-read pile because it's a digital to-read pile, which is kind of right. You know, you don't actually see it sitting on your <laughs> nightstand. So, uh, so uh, it, it's it's sort of, it's sort of like that. You know, where I just kind of you know reread it real quick. Whereas something like Ion, I take notes. Uh, the State of the Green Lantern Union uh, uh, episode. I had like a, a a notepad file on my phone that I was adding ideas to every other day uh, in the build up to the episode. Like I'm preparing for the episode uh, because I'm excited to talk about that particular subject. So when you're when you've got content of great quality all around, you've got good conversation between me and Mark and good chemistry, like you guys are saying between me and Mark. But we have to sort of apply that to sort of non miraculous stuff. Uh, which isn't to say that some of the stuff that we have uh, covered this episode isn't good, because I particularly enjoyed like the Sinestro and the wrap up to the. Uh, I mean, because all this was pretty good actually. I mean, you got finally got Hal on Earth. The Sinestro wasn't that bad, although it was pretty straightforward. And for what it's worth, the Green Lantern Star Trek stuff was some of the best stuff I read in 2015, as far as Green Lantern is concerned. So it's not like this stuff wasn't particularly bad. It's just, I guess. We're not, we're not at blackest night, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, and that's not me being a Jeff Johns apologist. It's just, you know, it's hard. I There hasn't been much with Green Lantern lately, even in the good, where I'm like, dude, Mark. I, like, I text Mark and go, Mark, did you read <laughs> this issue yet? <laughs> we have to record now! <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I'm sort of waiting for that moment where we're like, holy crap, what is happening next issue? So, you know, and, and, and but but reading those reviews, you know, kind of help substitute the uh, lack of enthusiasm and, and excitement we're getting from the comics just kind of by making us feel good, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, I, yeah, I think it's – I, well, I know exactly what you're trying to say because, I mean, it's far, from, the, from, a rec, from the recording point of view, yes, it's not like once we start recording, you know, it, it just it, – 
it just you know it clicks. You know, I mean, you know what, you know, even though it's not like we're getting paid for this, but we like to think, but I like to th- view it as you know we're professional about it. It's like, yeah. it's like even yeah, even if you're you know even if you're not one hundred like pumped, yeah, I can't wait to record. It's like once you once you start, you know, it's like you know you know, then the then the passion comes out and you and you do what needs you do what needs to be done. It's it's, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a variation on the Dorothy Parker quote about like I hate writing but love having written. Sometimes there you it, go. It, it's kind of like that. It's like sometimes it's like it's like it's like I it's like I hate I, it's like I hate recording but love having recorded. <laughs> sometimes it's like that. It's like and then we really don't hate it, but it's kind of but you know what I mean. It's kind of like the var- it's, it's it's that kind of concept. It's like it's once you're once you're in the middle of it and once you're done with it, it's like yeah, I'm, you know I'm glad I did it and I feel good about myself. But building up to it sometimes is like uh <laughs> depending on the material. That's what it really comes down to. And of course as you know, Chad knows very well. It depends on the kind of the day or week that that each one of us as individuals might have. That certainly impacts, you know, you know our enthusiasm heading in. Like I know I don't think I was nearly as enthusiastic for the movie episode as I normally would be, especially because of the topic. And I think that was just because of my mindset and where I was that week. That was not necessarily because of the material we were doing. It was just, you know, so. Yeah, and, and and you know, yeah, just peeling back the curtain, guys. We're recording this on uh, on a Tuesday, uh, January nineteenth. We were set to record this yesterday, but I got out of work later than I wanted. Traffic was shitty. Uh, you know, I decided that particular day to stop by Chipotle to grab something real quick for dinner, and you know, I typically get steak on you know the salad or burrito or whatever it is I buy. Typically, salad. Because uh, I don't really like any of their other meats, and that was, you know, they didn't have any on hand, so I had to wait there like ten minutes, and it was ten, ten, it was actually closer to twenty minutes for that for that to be ready, and like it was just like small minor inconveniences that just sort of stacked up and stressed me out. <laughs> so I was just like, you know what, I just really want to sit in my chair and watch TV until I'm tired and want to go to sleep because I'm just done with this day. So, uh, and I, you know, I have today off as we record this, so, you know, <laughs> I, I can can go to bed, I can de-stress from the night I've had, and I can have my entire day off to myself, and then I'll be completely refreshed and okay for the next day. Because you probably wouldn't have got the same episode out of me if we recorded this exact same episode yesterday. <laughs> it would have been a whole lot of, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Screw him! <laughs> this this issue sucks. <laughs> Next uh, caller. All right, we got two emails, one from Scott and one from Laurel. Do you want to uh, read those, Mark? Yes. Let me go. Let me quickly open up Scott's. Uh, this is more to you, but it's but it's but it's general. Uh, it's like it's like hi, Chad. I was just curious if you listened to the end of the last episode of Just One of the Guys, Sean has some really nice things to say about you and the Lantern cast. He even gives me a nice shout out for following him through all the issues, for following him through all the issues with him. He was a great guy. I communicated with him for the last three years. And even though it was only through the internet, I considered him a great friend. I'll really miss him. Do you want me to read your reply or not? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Chad replied, sorry, Scott, I saw this email, but I'm going to let you know here and now that I'm awful at replying to emails. Hence, ensuring we read them on the air so that I can say I responded in some way. 
It's something I should probably get better at since we keep asking for email. This warranted a personal response, and I was a tad lazy, it seems. Yes, I heard the last episode of Just One of the Guys. Sean's comments were extremely kind and probably a little embellished, but I was appreciative of them nonetheless. You will absolutely be missed. Thanks for the your email. Yeah, for those of you who email, if you get a response, it's typically from Mark. <laughs> yeah, but and, and I and I I have I just kind of slack off a little. I I didn't even notice uh, laurels until uh, like like about an hour or so before. Not that they've been there that long; they've only been there for like two, maybe two days max. But I but I I didn't even realize that until I checked the email like an hour before we were gonna record. Uh, yeah, uh, Scott's uh, uh, what Scott's referencing is uh, uh, Sean's final show of just one of the guys where he was kind of wrapping up the uh, the podcast and uh, he did the final issue of the Kyle Rayner run and was kind of kind of recapping the history of um, the show and the people and guests that he had had on in order, uh, kind of thanking each one of them in turn for appearing on the show. And when he got to my appearance on the show. He said some pretty great things about the podcast itself. I was thinking about putting some of those comments on the in, in memory of Sean Engel episode, but it seems sort of counterintuitive, uh, you know, to have some of to to have Sean's words on our show, but praising us. Right. Uh, so that felt sort of weird. But if you guys want to hear that, since we're removed from that episode, I want to let that episode sort of stand on its own as a tribute to Sean. Uh, I'll just add those comments at the end of this episode after the credits um, for those of you who want to hear that. Or, or, of course, you can just go listen to Sean's show, which is still available on the Two True Freaks Network. Uh, Laurel's email? Uh, the, let's, do the fir- let's do part of her uh, first Yeah, yeah we don't want to do the whole thing. Yeah, right? we'll, do, we'll do the Green Lantern 47 part and, and the, the, the prologue. Uh <clears throat> Hi, Chad Mark. I, have, I haven't had a chance to listen to episode 239 yet, but I'm glad you did a tribute to Sean Engel. I enjoyed listening to his Just One of the Guys podcast, and Sean always responded quickly to any emails I sent. He seemed like a very nice person, and I hope to listen to your episodes soon. In the meantime, here are some comments for Green Lantern 47 and 48, and as we just kind of prefaced, we're only going to talk about... We'll do this one paragraph, and we'll deal with the rest uh, next month. Uh, Green Lantern number 47... The art was an improvement, although it had such light line work. Are some of the pages colored directly over pencil rather than inked, or is this what the digital inking or what digital inking looks like? The relation. Uh, okay. It, it de- sorry. Uh, it, I've been to several conventions. It depends on the artist. Um, some people, I mean, with with all the tablets and stuff out there, specifically designed for artists, it's possible it was done digitally, although. It's never really credited in a comic. I've never seen it credited, whether or not it's a different, like, although it would be cool to see that in a comic. I don't know if, if some people would find that, you know, uh, you know, some would view one of those pieces of art as less than another right. by, by labeling some penciled and some, uh, like, you know, hard copy, some digital. I don't know. But it seems like that particular artist's style, and I've already forgotten his name, so forgive me, uh, but it seems like that particular artist's style might really just be color, like a wash color on line work, like heavy line work. Uh, if he's inking, he's doing his own inks because, like we said, he's not credited. There's yeah. no inker credited. Nope, just Martin Cocolo, so I would assume, he, like you said, that's probably, and that was a good pickup. The odds are he probably is doing his own, so... 
Uh, the relationship between Hal and his brother was great. It's obvious Venditti has a good grasp on how to write these two and make me care about them. I did a happy dance when Jim forced Hal to get a haircut. <laughs> Finally! <laughs> we hear you. Uh, we're definitely in agreement there. Uh, I had to laugh that Hal borrowed money from Jim to buy his niece and nephew presents and says, I'll pay you back. Great tip of the hat to the Hal of old who constantly needed to borrow money to pay for dinner. <laughs> especially, especially since, since it's not like Hal, this Hal has, even has a job. <laughs> uh, seeing Parallax at the end of the issue really piqued my interest. For the first time in months, I was excited for the next issue to come out. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Uh, we, even though it, we, we, we kind of probably know what her, if her enthusiasm held up once, once the next issue did come out. The, re- the listeners will have to wait another month because we don't want to go give away too many secrets for Green Lantern 48 now. Yeah, she gave us uh, the the next half of her emails about Green Lantern 48. Yep. So we'll uh, deal. Yeah. So we'll we'll revisit this email in a few weeks. She and, said, "Thanks again for making a fun podcast. I can enjoy." You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> you're welcome, America. <laughs> you're a good awesome. Li- you're a good listener, Laurel. Yeah, it's so awesome to hear from, you know, uh, I don't know how new of a listener you are, but so awesome to hear from new people, uh, especially people who write such lengthy emails. Like, you know, <laughs> we don't have to rely on Scott or uh, Jesse for, for those uh, <laughs> long emails anymore. Laurel's now added to the bunch. So do the last one for her? Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, guys. You don't have to read this on air if it's not needed. Well, we're reading it anyway. <laughs> it was needed. <laughs> Just an idea for you to think about. Have you considered reviewing The Flash and Green Lantern, the Brave and the Bold miniseries written by Mark Wade from 1999 to 2000? When this came out, I had heard that Barry and Hal and Barry shared adventures, but only read Green Lantern and Green Arrow team-ups. This mini introduced me to Barry as The Flash, as well as gave a kind of overview of adventures Hal and Barry could have had together throughout, or could have had together throughout their history. Thought it might be fun for you to talk about. You know, when I first read her email, I completely zoned out about exactly which one she was talking about, because in my mind's eye, I was thinking about, like, what the Brave and the Bold relaunched, which was after Hal came back in Rebirth. But now I do kind of remember, I do kind of remember this miniseries now. I don't know if I have it all, but I do kind of remember it now. Uh, it was six issues. I think, yeah, I, I know I have some of it, I just don't know if I have all of it. But it's certainly, yeah, it's something we certainly would consider. Yeah, I mean, I was, I guess I was getting it confused, because... Uh, I, I've been wanting to do the two-issue prestige format Faster Friends thing and sort of split duties with uh, an, a Flash podcast or something. Maybe the Flashback guys. Um, you know, us do you know the first issue of the prestige format and have them guest on our show, have them do the second issue and have us guest on their show or, you know, something like that, sort of a cross-promotional thing. So I haven't really thought about the Brave and the Bold six-issue thing. Uh, that should certainly be on our list. Mark and I have uh, kind of a, a Facebook message going back and forth with various ideas of things we want to do in 2016. Not necessarily, you know, next month, but, you know, just at some point in 2016. Um, Mark, I haven't put this on the message yet, so I'll just throw this one out as a teaser to our uh, listeners. Because we did say a certain storyline, Big Green Lantern storyline, that the guys never covered before. Uh, you know which one I'm talking about. Um, I assume you do. I'm actually drawing a blank, but I know we talked about it, so as long, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, uh, hmm. I'm trying to think if I even want. I'll just type it. 
There we go. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. We did yeah. talk about that. There you go. There you go. Uh, the other one I thought of the other day, we should do a Final Night episode. I thought you guys did a Final Night episode. I don't think we did. I thought you did because I would – I for some reason I thought you did. I could be wrong. I, I would have no problem doing a Final – doing a – you got – I mean – they never, they never, or they slash you never did like uh, the final night, like the parallax, at least the parallax one shot. We might have done that, but I just mean like the whole storyline in general, all four issues and the Emerald Knight uh, parallax one shot. Yeah, I would have no problem with that. Yeah, because I, w- I would like to do that at some point, uh, for sure. Um, okay, so, uh, but yeah, we have several, we have several ideas going, some major storylines, some single issues, some, uh, commentary ideas, and just sort of general geek type discussion shows and topics. Uh, you know, since Mark and I took over the show, we're not just doing Lantern stuff, you know, like the last episode we did, we had the 2016 movie preview and all of that, so... You know, there are going to be one-off episodes throughout the year that, of things that we're interested in that we're going to want to do. But we do have some pretty cool Green Lantern-specific ideas coming down the pike for 2016. Uh, and certainly we can add Brave and the Bold to that. If I remember right, those issues were slightly bigger than normal. So maybe we'd want to do two episodes out of that or one really long one. I don't know how it would work. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. It might be one of those things where we almost have to play it play it by ear and see how it goes i mean if you know if we're taking taking a long long time just to get through the first you know half of it then uh then we yeah we split it into two and who knows and we can yeah we can we can cross that cross that bridge when we come to it for sure all right uh we've got just a couple quick things real quick mark you want to read those comments from our website sure we have Kirk, who said, rest in peace, Sean Engel. The podcasting community will never be the same. And Duran, uh, good show. Enjoyed the Shazam sound effects. You should incorporate more sound effects on your podcast. <laughs> and not just gas. <laughs> not just passing gas. <laughs> Those are the natural sound effects that usually Chad will edit out. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, did you did you hear, uh, did you listen to that episode? I haven't finished it, no. Did you hear the Shazam sound effects? Okay. Um, Ryan on his show, um, uh, Secret Origins. I, I stole the gag. It, it's not a. It's not a gag that I came up with, guys. I cannot take credit for it. It was a sort of subtle nod to uh, to uh, to Ryan Daly's Secret Origins podcast, which is currently on a hiatus. I think it's back in February. Um, he ever since he started talking about um, uh, when he did the uh, Captain Marvel. Um, uh, secret origin issue. Anytime someone says the word Shazam in this podcast, <laughs> from then on, anytime someone says the word Shazam, there's a thunder thunderclap uh, sound effect in the background. So I I sort of stole that running gag from him uh, because it's it's there's there was really no lead. Basically, there's no there's no uh, lead in for it. There's no need to explain it. In episode, there's it's just you know, anytime someone says Shazam, it's the magic word, and you know the thunder claps, and someone transforms. So if you're familiar with the character, you know why it's funny. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's just a cool little sound effect. It's a shout out to a fellow podcaster. So I just thought I'd throw it in there. It's a nice touch. 
So <laughs> clearly there's going to be a lot of thunderclaps in this particular episode. I've said Shazam about <laughs> ten Shazam! times. Shazam! <laughs> ten times, ten, fifteen times now. <laughs> so, so yeah. Now, so, now, so now we'll have to make sure we randomly throw in a Shazam like every other, at least every other episode just for the hell of it. Yeah. And then Black Adam tried, tried not to say Shazam! <laughs> <laughs> I've also got a clips kind of stored somewhere of uh, the uh, Wonder Woman theme song. Ah. Uh. From the, TV from, show. The, from the TV show, uh, so anytime we say Wonder Woman, you, you might Wonder be able to do that. I, I did that on another episode. I think it might have been the uh, re- the review episode for Sinestro 17 or 16, something like that, where Wonder Woman shows up. I think you reviewed it, and I put Wonder Woman in the background, that that theme music in the background, but I didn't do it again yet. So I'm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there, there is a point where sound effects become too much, guys. We don't want to become a morning zoo type show. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we were getting paid for it. That's right. Um, all right. Uh, Mark, do you want to go ahead and uh, let people know uh, of, of these fine folks who sent us in feedback, how they can send us in feedback as well? I think I can do that, Chad. I think I can, I think I can do that. Uh, best way, easiest way, email lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast at gmail.com. Second best way, probably the, the website, which is surprisingly, shockingly, lanterncast.com. <laughs> uh, get blo- blogs. Uh, as I'm drawing a blank here, we can edit this out. Let's try it again. Uh, you can visit our website, lanterncast.com, where we have our blogs. We have our Ring Cyclopedia episodes. We have, listen, you know, we have our latest episodes are posted there. Dark Star Reviews, lots of good stuff. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on all of those. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on either or both, please leave us positive reviews. And now we know you. we will read those positive reviews. <laughs> uh, last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. Next episode. Um, no clue yet. No idea. We've got. We we do have stuff planned. We just don't know what exactly is next. We have options. Uh, yeah, we do have <laughs> options. Uh, by the way, guys, if since it's very obvious we didn't know that we had these reviews until I randomly checked the review section of uh, of uh, our podcast on the iTunes Store, um, if you have some way of letting us know, no Twitter. Facebook or email lanterncast at gmail.com. If you leave us a review, let us know somehow because evidently we don't get a notification that we have a new review. So, yeah, uh, if you leave us a review, let us know on Twitter, Facebook, or uh, via email so that we have an idea of at least to keep an eye out for it. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that way we can get it on the air as soon as possible. For sure. All right, guys, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Good night, everybody. Good night. Then after that, adding an air of legitimacy to the show, Chad Bolkman, the co-host along with Mark Marble of the Lantern Cast podcast, actually came on for episode 146 where we talked about a part of the Power of Ion storyline. 
I know Chad's going to be covering this if he hasn't already covered this over on the Lantern cast. And I'm looking forward to hear what his take on it. I know he really loves it. Chad was a great addition to the show. I really appreciate him bringing me into the Green Lantern community. It was great getting a talk to Chad on his show, the Lantern cast about episode 200, where we talked about Green Lantern 200. Chad is a great podcaster and he's keeping the Emerald flame alive. I'm, I was just basically having someone from the Lantern cast, a podcast that I think is the premier Green Lantern podcast out there. Come on to my show and actually talk about these comics. Like I said, gave me a feeling that I've actually got a bit of legitimacy behind me. 